amen as they're finishing taking up the morning tithe and offering together. Amy, thank you so much for ministering to the Lord in that way. Uh, if you're appreciative of the folks that help lead us in worship, let's remind them that we love them and uh, they do what they do for the Lord. And uh, many of them are doing what you see them do on Sunday mornings. They do quietly in their own homes and no one's watching because it's not about the people that are watching, but it's about doing it before Almighty God. Uh, if you have a Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to, and I believe we have a slide that we can throw up, uh, guys from the slides, from my sermon slides there, you can throw up. Uh, I mean, don't throw up up there, that'd be kind of gross, but you can eloquently place the slides up on the projector for us that outline Colossians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 1. Please bookmark both of those places, if you would. And while we're all digging there in our Bibles, uh, I just want to say that if it takes you, say, for example, if you're not familiar with Scripture, even if you've been a believer for a while and you're just now becoming obedient and, and getting in the Word of God, and, or perhaps you're a new believer and it takes you a long time to get through the Scriptures, there's no shame in that. If you need to go to the index to find each and every book of the Bible, no one cares. I don't. And uh, let, let you, the only way you'll get familiar is by doing it. So take your time. Find your way to Colossians 1, bookmark it, and you can find your way also to Ephesians 1. We'll be in both of those places among other places of Scripture, but those are the ones that I'd love for us have, to have in front of us. And before I really get into preaching today, though, I do want to go into, I guess, just a slightly extended announcement uh, rant here, if you would, to hang with me, just to bring us all up to speed on a few different things. Uh, starting next week, we're going to do our bulletins just only slightly different. Uh, we recognize that probably many of the bulletins we pass out are not being read, and, uh, and that's okay. Uh, some churches have even taken upon themselves to do funny little tests where they will put an announcement in the bulletin uh, saying, if you read this, go, go to a certain place in the church and you'll receive a prize. And out of churches of like 500, two people will come up. <laughs> And uh, you wouldn't know whether I put an announcement like that in there or not because some of you don't read it. And that's okay. And, uh, but what we want to do is be a good steward of, of what God gives us. And paper is expensive and so is ink. So what we're going to do starting next week is we're going to basically just increase the number of places that you can get the bulletin. So for example, it will be on Realm, which is the online platform that our church uses to keep a whole bunch of stuff organized. It will be on our website, and it's already been on our website, posted week from week to week. Uh, and then we will, we will print a decreased number of bulletins, and they will be on the table out in the foyer. So if you want a hard copy, that is completely fine. We will print as many hard copies as people would like. Uh, but we won't just be putting them in people's hands uh, because we know many of them are not being read, and, and there's no sense in wasting money on that. So simply to be wise stewards, we're going to be doing that starting next week. And, uh, and again, as if you want a hard copy, please grab one. We'll, we'll make sure we print as many or as necessary. And we'll also let you know next week, we'll show you exactly where the online platforms will be for you to see the bulletin. Uh, also, uh, new membership we have coming up on Saturday, October the 22nd. Uh, that's coming up here in a little while. We're going to take an evening to do that, and in the bulletin are the time frames for that. Uh, so if you've been around for approximately six months or so, and you've become familiar with this ministry and you would like to call this ministry your home and, and be able to be considered for teaching positions and all those kinds of things that we have to do, uh, then know that we would love for you to join us for that time. Uh, we've done membership differently every time that, I, since I've been here, it's been done differently every time. And we're going to try doing it this way where 
because it ends up being people that have been here for a while anyway that become familiar with the ministry and want to be a part of this ministry in that way. And uh, so if you've been here for a while uh, and we, you feel like you have a good grip of what this ministry is about and you're interested in that step, uh, then make sure you let me know. We have the information there in the bulletin of how to, to make sure you let me know because we'll share a meal together that night and we'll probably plan to meet for approximately two hours to go over all the things we need to cover in a time like that. And again, assuming that we have people in that room already that have already pretty well become familiar with the ministry. So that cuts much out of what a normal three or four week process would typically have to look like. Uh, so know that that's coming up October the 22nd. Also, you can save the date for October the 29th. Uh, we have a harvest party and worship night planned that night, and it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be all the things that you might think of at a fall harvest party, just a fun time of eating lots of food, and hopefully it's not too terribly cold out by then. We'll probably have some hay rides for the kids, and I might just have to bring my tractor out here. I love being able to do that, and all the things that we do at a fall harvest festival, but we will end the night with a great time of worship, and we're going to have Heart Song, which is the college uh, worship group from Cedarville University, one of many groups actually. They, they are underneath the umbrella name, uh, Heart Song, but there's like three or four teams inside of that umbrella. And one of them is going to be with us that night. Uh, these are college students who are gifted by God in incredible ways to lead in worship. Definitely don't want to miss that great night. And then the following morning, that following Sunday morning, they'll be leading us in worship to give all of our folks a break. And uh, we'll get to have those college students with us to encourage them and to love them as many of them, not all of them, but many of them will be going on to ministry once their college career is done. I also want to give, just in this announcement phase here, uh, just a plug for our uh, Sunday school time. Uh, that time frame goes from 9.30 until 10.30, which happens before this service starts. And I uh, just want to kind of give you a rundown. We have things for all ages of kids. And just in case you're wondering if you've never been a part of any of the Sunday school our connect group, small group, whatever you want to call it, is fine with us. Uh, if you don't know where to go, myself, Eldon, and Larry are always in the foyer, so when you get here, uh, previous to 9.30, we can show you exactly where to go. That way you know exactly where all your kids are, and you're welcome to have your kids in the class with you if you want. That's something, obviously, you're the parent, uh, you're the one that gets to make that choice, so while you're getting familiar with those things, if your kids desire to be with you, they can be with you in any of the adult classes that you would be in. Uh, but of the adult classes, we've got three of them simply because that's we just continue to outgrow themselves so they continue to go to different spots in the building. Uh, one of which is led by Bruce Beacom, and it's in this big classroom right here. And they have been going through 2 Timothy, and from what I understand, they're a portion of the way through that. Uh, but these classes are all structured such that you can jump into any one of these at any given time. Uh, so for example, Scott's class, Scott Higgins, who leads a class back in here down this hallway all the way at the very end, uh, they're getting ready to end their study of the book of Romans. But again, just because they're at the end of it doesn't mean that you can't jump in right now. They've got some exciting things coming up, but again, you can jump in any of these at any time. Uh, and then Kyle Springer, and this another one of these classrooms down this hallway, they're also getting ready to start uh, the book of Ruth is where they're going to be going headed soon. So uh, if you're not living in community in a small group uh, with fellowship, that kind of fellowship with other believers, you need it. Uh, it has been said by ministers before, and although this may sound harsh to some, they say it's their goal to chase people either into a small group or out the doors because they're headed one of those places anyway. And although that might sound harsh, I, I do understand why they say that, because it's probably the case. So I encourage you very much in your Christian walk, 
have that time of fellowship with believers around you in a smaller setting like that. Sometimes Sunday morning, main service is sometimes like the worst time ever to fellowship, uh, just because we got everybody coming in and everybody going out once we're done, all those kinds of things. Also want to mention very briefly, um, Eldon and Kyle, who are our associate ministers, uh, you know, they came on as a result of things growing very quickly and me needing a lot more help than I was able to get and it was just wonderful absolutely wonderful being able to have them come on in the way that they did and I've been in the process now especially now that I've since I've been back from sabbatical uh, really solidifying and clarifying what their roles are and we've been in the process of that for a while but really putting much more specificity to it now that's been very helpful to us um, Eldon as many of you probably already know he's organizing and overseeing a lot of the midweek ministry things so all the things with Awana that have been going so very well and the huge team, many of you, a lot of you are all helping with that. So thank you so much for all the help that's associated with that. And he's also providing organization for the worship, all the people that help and are gifted in that area that help lead us in worship. He's organizing that as well. Uh, Kyle is taking a little bit more of an, an administrative bent towards a lot of what we have going on around here. Uh, so he's helping keep track of some of the schedule, some of the things in the bulletin, those kinds of things. He was joking when we were meeting on Monday that he felt like he should be a middle-aged to senior woman named Patricia. And I said, Kyle, that's a great name for you. We will. And uh, so, but he's overseeing a lot of the organizational things. And, and the reason I make that joke is because historically those are typically done by a secretary type of, type of role. But, uh, but he's fulfilling that role in a wonderful way. And so that, I just want to make a note about that. For those of you that are leaders of ministries, and there are things that need to be announced in the bulletin and all the rest, uh, make sure that you communicate those things to Kyle. Uh, you can get a hold of him by the church email, church at new-covenant.org. You can call the church office, or he has his own a specific email, kyle at new-covenant.org, in the bulletin there. So we're all very accessible and easy to get a hold of. So we usually meet on Monday afternoons. So make sure you get those things to him previous to then, that we can discuss them, make sure we get them in all the proper places, website, and all those kinds of things. And then with that following Sunday, we can make sure we get all, the, all those pieces of information to the people that need them. And I just want to say about those guys and their wives, uh, Melody, Gaston, and Julie Springer, uh, boy, what a blessing they have been to our church, amen? They have been absolutely awesome. And... Uh, their wives have done an incredible amount of work around here, Julie and Melody have, and I just want to say out loud for everyone to hear that their only responsibility in this place is to be a godly wife to their husbands and to be a godly mother to their children. That is their only responsibility in this church, and they do a wonderful job at that, but when they have time and they so ch choose to see fit, then they help in other things, and that's fine, uh, but it is certainly not expected of them in any way, shape, or form, and we're just so grateful for Ellen and Kyle and their families and and the incredible help and work that they're doing around here. Uh, last couple of real quick things I'll mention is um, we need some help with some different areas of ministry. Uh, one of which is cleaning. I know we mentioned this last week with the way that our schedule is now with things happening, midweek ministries happening on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, it essentially leaves Friday of being the only day that really works to be able to have the place cleaned. Uh, the people that we were having come in to clean the building, that does not work for their schedule. And uh, so we're going to try to do this in-house. So if you are able to help with that on a Friday, uh, we have a sign-up out in the foyer. And just understand that there are basically an understanding that we'll probably try to have two different teams 
one of which that would be an AM team and one that would be a PM team. In other words, if you're able to do it on Friday, but you're only able to do it on Friday mornings, simply denote that next to your name on that sign up, and then we'll put you with a team that's able to do it on those times. And we recognize that Friday is an interesting day for people with work or getting off work or whatever it may be. But if you're able to help, this is something that is any, anybody can pitch in and help with, uh, something that is definitely a necessary thing around here. Uh, there's definitely nothing glamorous about it, but uh, we do need the help with it. So please keep that in mind. And if you're able, uh, please consider signing up for that. Also, Operation Christmas Child. We have just a few tags left. Uh, perhaps there's not even any left. Perhaps they're all gone at this point. Uh, but as far as just about an hour ago, there were only a few tags left on that Christmas tree. And when you look at it, it has an item and a number. The item represents the item that we need. And the number next to it is a certain number that when you take that tag, it denotes to you of how many you're willing to bring back of that item for our shoeboxes that we send out as part of our Operation Christmas Child shoebox ministry. Now, what I am told, which is pretty exciting, is that if these tags are taken, it essentially means that all of the necessary items that have to go in each box uh, are purchased for up to our goal of 500 this year already. How cool is that? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty awesome. And then I, from what I understand, October will be a month where people can bring all kinds of things. So uh, yeah, already that we're going to be able to, it looks like we're going to be able to pack those 500 boxes. So if you're able, if you have not yet grabbed a tag off that tree, please do so uh, before you leave. Please consider doing so. And with that being said, I invite you to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. And if you would, I'd invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, where we read and it says, It says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. This is the word of God. Amen. Please be seated as you join me in praying. Father, we are definitely grateful, Lord, for bringing us together as the body of Christ. And God, I'm sure that is, is the case for all of us that there are distractions that we all experience throughout the week and things that would concern us and father we just ask that by your spirit for those that know you that are your children that have placed their sins at your feet knowing that it's the only place where the forgiveness of sins comes from by your sacrifice uh, we just ask as your children lord to bring us a special encouragement uh, that would make all of the things that were distracting this week to us to settle them in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, that it might be enough for us to have your word preached and to be fed of your word today. Uh, God, for those that do not know you today, uh, let this be the day that they hear the gospel preached, turn from sin, pick up a cross, their cross, and follow you. In Jesus' name. And all the church says. So I've been incredibly conflicted for the past 48 hours about what to preach, uh, especially in the wake of all that took place at Licking Valley School yesterday. Um, 
that I believe that the Lord would have me preach the sermon that I prepared and finished on Thursday evening of this past week. And uh, I want to preach today about authentic faith. A true, genuine conversion of trusting Jesus, following Him, and living for Him. Throughout my years in ministry, there's been a number of times that are worth weeping over, experiences that you go through, and, but certain things that impact your heart a little more, and for the preacher of God's Word, it impacts your heart because it, it is indicative of the culture at large. They give you an indication of where people stand and where people think they stand with God. One such circumstance happened a few years ago, and this has happened to me numerous times, but this particular situation happened quite a few years ago. In a different ministry context, I was in charge of organizing a certain event, and which involved bringing in food trucks. And I was chatting with one of the food truck owners after the conclusion of the event, and and I'd never seen this person before, and I was surprised when they said, oh, this is, this is my home church. And I'm thinking, I've been here, I'm thinking in my head, I've been here for four years, and I've never seen this person. I said, well, that's good. I said, well, when, when was the last time you've been here? I don't think I've met you before. And with joy on their face, they said, 18 years ago. And I just thought to myself, man, how, how sad. I mean, at first I thought, man, how crazy. But as I began to ponder this in my heart, I thought to myself, well, how sad. How really heartbreaking that somebody could be so deceived. They think that this is their home church and it could not be anything further than that. No one here even knows who they are. That they're resting in this kind of boldness and thinking that this is their home church and perhaps they were baptized there 18, 20 some odd years ago, and, and that was just enough for them. And it, it makes you realize that there's, there's an element of people just not getting it. Another circumstance I considered, one of which was a sermon I preached in which I said, God is worth worshiping, and sports aren't. And I was chewed out in the foyer of a church by someone who, for longer than I've been alive, has been saying that they're a Christian. And I, I just, heartbroken to think, man, how, how has the church so deceived them? You'd think you'd have to try really hard to deceive someone that badly for them to so think that for decade upon decade upon decade to then hear it preached plainly and clearly that Jesus is worth worshiping and sports aren't, you think that the believer should just be rejoicing at the such a news. And yet it resulted in the preacher being chewed out for it. And I don't say any of this for my own pity. Um, you think of the common notion on our world today. That church exists for the purpose of their satisfaction. And there are so many that are so deceived. And I think the outcome of today is going to be pretty evident. I think if you're a believer, I think if your heart is regenerated before Almighty God, I think that you're going to rejoice at the things I'll be preaching to you today. But I think that probably, if you're not a Christian today, you're probably not going to like me very much after today. And, and I can settle with that because ultimately your issue is really with God, and it's not really with me. 
because I'm just going to be telling you some things that God has said and what is so evident based on people's actions of whether or not they believe him, whether or not they believe the scriptures. Uh, we see even in scripture that this notion of people just being thinking that they are in such a safe place and yet they are so deceived. We see this exact example in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, when Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So when I tell you why some of those experiences break my heart, it's because of that scripture. It's because there are so many walking around that are just so deceived. And yes, even so many inside the church that are just so deceived about this particular understanding of authentic faith and what it means to be an actual believer. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that while I was on sabbatical and visited multiple different churches, the notion that I didn't get simply from being in ministry for a lot of years, but also just in visiting other groups of believers, is that there is a very, very strong notion that, that church is a spectator sport, that it's something that you go to to observe, and that's just about it. There is such a strong, deceptive, out-of-the-pit-of-hell notion in our churches today that, that church is not a place where you worship it's not a place where you go to be held accountable by your brothers and sisters in faith. It's not a place to disciple, serve, to desire the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's not a place to put your sin to death. It's not a place to be fed of God's Word. People are really walking around with the notion and their actions make it evident that they believe that church exists to entertain them. That they're, it's there to make them be amused or to feel good or to be empowered in some cases for even selfish ambition or to somehow check a moral duty off of a list. And we see this evident, this notion of people that simply don't get it. It is so evident before our eyes, not just in individual experiences that I share with you that I personally experienced, but on a very, very large scale, you can see this taking place. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 4, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. If there is any prophecy that has come true in my generation, I, don't, I can't think of any that has been more true of coming true than that one right there. If you want to find a church, I mean, pick your idol. Pick whatever idol you want to worship. And you can find a church that will praise you for worshiping that idol. If you have an idol of alcohol, you can go to a church. It'll take you a little bit to get to Cincinnati, but there's a church in Cincinnati. They have their own brand of beer where the preacher will sit in a reclining chair and drink while he's preaching. You want to pick whatever idol you want to have? Go for it. If, if sexual immorality is your idol, you can find a church. You will find a quote-unquote church that will praise you for loving and worshiping that idol. People have heaped up for themselves teachers that tell them whatever it is that they want to hear. And people do not desire conviction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, people that are not believers who have been tricked 
and in some cases by the true church. They've been somehow deceived into thinking they are believers. They have a very incorrect picture of what it actually means to follow Jesus, what it actually means to have a regenerated heart before Almighty God. And they just think that it's normal that you just go to the place that so best suits you, that so best speaks to you. And I think there's been a very fundamental breakdown, an incredibly fundamental breakdown of what and who everything is for. And our faith is, in many cases, we've not shown people how to be authentic in their faith. And we think that there are other chief objectives and goals other than that of Christ and his glory. And it shows in so many ways. So if you're visiting with us, I just want to say to you that God bless you for being here. You get, you, you get to maybe perhaps learn for the first time what many of us as believers need reminded of. And again, I believe that believers are going to reju- rejoice at the truths that I'll be preaching. And, but if you're not, I, I think you're probably not going to be very happy with me today. And again, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'd prefer for you to be happy with me. But, but ultimately, I'd rather be a preacher that tells you the truth this morning. I love you and I love God enough to tell you the truth at the expense of me being liked, which happens a lot. And so I want you to look at Colossians 1, verse 16. We've already read it. And we're going to look at it in detail to see what the Bible tells us about the nature and character of God and what that means for us. Colossians 1, verse 16, it says, For by him. I want everyone to say the words by him. Ready, set, go. By him. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Okay, so let's pause and let's understand the word of God and be fed by it. We understand that it's, it's by him, and in just a moment in that verse it's going to say, and through him. So we understand that it's by Christ, by his power, according to his power, according to his ability, it's because of his resources, that he has made all things. And the description of all things here is inextricably clear. The way in which the Word of God describes to us all things that God has, that Jesus has made, that it was by him that these things were made, all things in heaven and earth. Can anybody think of anything that is not in heaven and earth? Then it says visible and invisible. Uh, That's pretty encompassing. Say amen if you would agree. It's casting a pretty big umbrella over top all the things that God has made. All things that are heaven and that are on the earth, all things that you can see and even the things that you can't see, he has made. And even as if that was not enough, the scriptures then go on to say, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. All these things, church, were made by Christ. If you understand so far, say yes. Look to the second part of that, verse 16. And then it simply reiterates what we just learned about the nature of our Lord. It says, all things were created through him. Say amen if you understand. It's, 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 it's recapping the first part of that verse. And then it starts off the second part of the verse. All things were created through him. And then these three words that I think many will probably find very offensive. And for him. 
All things were created by Him, and all things were created for Him. Everything that you see is for Him. Everything that you don't see is for Him. Everything in heaven is for Him. Everything that is on the earth is for Him. Every throne, every dominion, every principality, and every power is for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible is, is full, is absolutely full of this proof. I'll give you a list of scriptures if you feel like jotting them down. Exodus 19.5. It says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Is what God says. Deuteronomy 10.14. Indeed, heaven... And the highest heavens belong to the Lord our God, also the earth with all that is in it. Job 41 verse 11, everything under the heaven is mine, God says. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Psalm 50, 10 to 12, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. And I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. And if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. Haggai 2 verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 26, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Ephesians 4 6, there is one God and Father of all who is above all. Hebrews 3 verse 4, for every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. So my hope and my prayer for us as a gathering of believers is that in the wake of that truth, that every single notion that church exists for our entertainment melts that every single notion that our preferences and that things being about us that notion my prayer is that those kinds of notions would melt in the wake of the true reality that all things are made through him and all things are for him and indeed they are and if we get this Here's the test, and this is the part that perhaps people aren't going to like too much. If we get this, no young person in this church, the walls of this church, never, ever, ever will ever hear again a young person say, I wish we didn't sing any hymns. If we really got this as a group of believers, the walls of this church would never, ever, ever hear again an older person saying, I wish we only sung hymns. Let me tell you a truth that's from the Word of God. And I tell you this because I love you. Church is not about you. Church is not about me. And you may say, well, Pastor Ben, but wasn't that Jesus' mission? What doesn't he, wasn't that his mission to seek and to save the lost? And indeed it was. That it was his mission. That was his goal. That was his objective that he absolutely fulfilled. Look now, if you would, to Ephesians 1. Flip your Bibles there, and when you're there, find verse 13. 
as it describes to us something of our salvation as it fits in with everything being through God and everything being for Him as well. Ephesians 1.13, it says, In Him you also trusted. It starts by describing salvation. It says, After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. In other words, here's how you get saved. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until that wonderful day of redemption for the purpose of the praise of His glory. In other words, yes, it was his mission to seek and save that which was lost. Yes, it is true that he loves you. I could preach for a thousand years and not even begin to scratch the surface of those wonderful, glorious realities. But I could also not stress enough that we have absolutely missed in our culture that church is not about us. It's not about making us feel a certain kind of way. It's not about this idolatrous picture that that this is actually a place where we are supposed to grow together in real faith. It's actually a place where you and I are supposed to come together and seek to desire the conviction of the Holy Spirit because whom the Father loves, He chastens. It's where we're supposed to desire to be corrected to become more like the Savior. But rather, church has become such this cheap, phony thing of people coming to a place and pastors commonly feel like clowns in a circus. Ask me how I know. It's because I've felt that way before. And it's not good. And it's probably the reason that pastors are leaving the pastorate in droves. Because they're tired of the game. They're tired of the show. It has so become about this thing of making it such that it, it is what people want to see and what to hear. And it becomes this incredibly, terribly toxic game of trying to minister to people because you do love them. You love them dearly. You die for them. But this game of making it a thing that tells people what they want to hear and and people don't want to... Many pastors leave the ministry because they they don't want to be someone that is heaped up just to tell people what they want to hear. They want to preach the Word of God. They want to tell people the truth about Scripture and what it means to be a believer and to follow Christ. Here's an example for us to help us see this. I don't know about you, but I enjoy trees. I usually don't meet many people that don't like trees on their property. And uh, they're beautiful. I love the shade that they provide. And, and I, I have two different ways in which I could approach this tree. I could approach the trees on my property and say, love this, but God, you messed up in making most trees green. You should have made them all purple because that's my preference. Or I could come up to the tree humbly and say, God, this is an amazing creation that you have made. And it's yours. You own it. You made it. It belongs to you. It was made for for you. It was made through your power. It was by you that this beautiful tree was made. And it was made for you. It was green because you wanted it to be green. God, thank you in humble submission Thank you that you would let me enjoy something that you made by your power and for you. And yet in your great goodness and mercy that surpasses all things I could understand, you would allow me to sit underneath the shade of this tree that you have made. And many times people approach church 
with the former of those two examples. They say, God, this is an amazing thing that you've made. Awesome fellowship. Amazing that you'd call the church to have this mission of preaching and proclaiming the gospel. But God, you should have made it such that all these things were such the way that I prefer them. And I just wonder what the heart of God thinks when he's thinking, I made this for me. It was not by your power that you made the tree or the church. It was by my power that all things visible and invisible were made. And not only was it by my power, but it was for me. And you and I as believers walking on this earth, we would even begin to have the audacity to come to anything that we enjoy in life with anything other than humble submission before God, understanding that he made it and it was for him. And it's because he's just so good that he lets us enjoy it. I want you to imagine in your mind that a man builds a bench for his front porch. And this man, he has the resources to purchase the lumber. And he has blisters on his hands as he was planing the wood to scrape it down to make this wonderful, beautiful bench. And, and it, it was designed with the color and the, and the type of wood that he preferred. It, he made it. He made this bench for his front porch. And, and he made the sacrifice to make it all happen. It was, it was by him that it was made, and it was also for him. Could you imagine if his neighbor comes strolling down, and because this man who built the bench is so benevolent, because he's so gracious and kind, he sees someone walking down the street, he says, Neighbor, come and sit with me on this bench. I want to have you with me. See, I've prepared this bench for you. See, do you see the blisters on my hands? I've made it and I've prepared it. I've labored over it. I made it by my power and it's for me. But I want you to sit with me on this bench and, and enjoy my company. What would you say of that person if they come and they sit down on the bench and they say, well, you should have made it white. You shouldn't have stained it in clear lacquer. You would think to yourself, what, what, a, what a rude, how much audacity a person would have to have to even say such a thing. And yet this is how people approach church continually. Particularly those not inside the church, but also those inside the church. So if, if you have approached the goodness and the greatness of all that God has done, and this applies to any area of life, be it the tree that you enjoy on your property or be it the church. This thing called the church that was God's idea formed by him and for him that he's placed the mission with, that he's put his Holy Spirit inside of. If, you, if we as a church have, a, have approached that any other way than the humble submission of thanksgiving being so gracious that God would invite us to sit on the bench with him, then there's nothing left for us to do than repent as a church. And for those of you that are visitors or perhaps those of you that don't come to church very often or perhaps those of you this is your very first time ever being in a church, I just have to imagine in our culture that you have been influenced in some kind of way by some church somewhere. And I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that 
It had to happen that Scripture would be fulfilled, that you would live in a day and age in which it would be such that people would just heap up for themselves teachers and church would become just a false gathering. I'm so sorry that, that I, I know it had to happen. The Scriptures had to be fulfilled. Every word that God speaks, none of them are going to fall to the ground. His word said it was going to happen. Paul said it's not happened yet, but it's going to happen. The people are just going to shuffle around to get what they want to be entertained. It's going to happen such. And I'm here to tell you, it has absolutely happened such. And I'm so sorry that you have been negatively impacted by that. I'm so sorry that you've had such a, such a terribly skewed picture, a deceptive view that harms you, that would make it such that the church is about you or your preferences or your desires. I'm so sorry that, that you would be so fooled by those around you in this community, by churches in America, that have become not churches but just false places where people gather and the people in leadership are clowns in a show playing a game to keep people in a certain place so that their attendance or numbers or whatever grows. It's a terrible shame. So where do we stand? And what do we do from here? I think it's pretty simple. I think it's pretty plain. I think, I think if you're a Christian and, and you have been tempted as such, you know the answer. The answer is to repent and to find all the mercy you could ever need more at the foot of the cross. To know that Jesus is faithful. He'll never leave nor forsake you. And, and, and praise God that, that you have an awareness of this now. You're, if you're a Christian you should, and you have been tempted as such and perhaps you have even acted upon that temptation of, of pretending as if this salvation, all this church, everything. Listen, it involves us, but it's not about us. How gracious that it would even involve us. It involves you and me, but it's not about you and me. It's not to the praise of your and my glory. It's to the praise of His glory. It's by His grace and His mercy that He would even allow it to involve us. And it does involve us. Praise God that Jesus stands and says, Whosoever will, let him come and partake of this salvation. Whoever will, let him come and let him sit on this bench, this thing that I've made by my power for my glory. And this is the only place where people can save, be saved from eternal damnation against it. And yet Jesus calls out and says, Let them all come in and sit with me on this bench. And it's in my heart to lead us as a church that as, as we sit on that gospel bench, as we as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, sit on that gospel bench safe and secure in our salvation, safe against the wrath of God because God has already put our sin on Christ, that all that Jesus did in the gospel to save us, that we would get to sit as if we're sinless because Christ hung on a cross as a sinner instead. It's in my heart to lead this church in such a way that we would be people sitting on that bench and just say, God, thank you. Thank you for letting this involve me. Because, God, I know this is about you. This is about the praise of your glory. Thank you for even considering to let this involve me. And then I think when a church gets that, I think that people, as they see us as a gathering of believers... They won't see a phony, false thing. 
They're going to see Christians with the proper view in mind of all this. And then they're not going to be deceived thinking, oh yeah, those are the Christians. They're always in church and they're always talking about what their preferences are. And then all of a sudden when we start talking about just how thankful we are that God would let this whole thing involve us, then they start seeing and hearing and understanding the gospel. And that's what people need, dear friends. That is absolutely what people need. Would you bow your heads with me? as those that will help lead us in worship come to the music as we bow our heads if you need to repent now is the time to do it if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior if, if there's been a as you heard me listen to me now church it is if, if you are listening to me today whether it's online or here or whatever if you are hearing me read all those verses about how everything belongs to God and, and there was this anger welling up inside you of how dare he claim everything? How dare he say that my things are actually his? Those are my things. I work for those things. If, those, if that was the reaction of your heart, I'm telling you today that those are the thoughts of someone who is not converted. Those are the thoughts of someone that those are the... Those are, that's the thinking of the heart that has not been changed by Almighty God. That, that's the thought of a dead person walking in there sin and if that was you then I'm going to invite you to trust the Lord Jesus Christ today I'm going to invite you to trust him with your heart I'm going to invite you to say in the quietness of your own heart I'm not looking for you to give anything or for you to say any kind of special magical thing I, I want to t show you what the gospel is and the gospel is that even though you and I were walking down that road and we didn't deserve for the maker of that gospel bench to call out to us and say, come sit with me. Because God is good. Because He so loved you. Even in the presence of you not deserving any of that. He calls out and He says, whosoever will, let him come. And that's my call to you today. Will you trust Him with your sins? Will you say, God, I'm sorry. God, I've sinned against you. God, I, I have worshipped my own agenda. I am not a worshiper of you. And God, today that changes. Today I don't want to worship my stuff. I don't want to worship the Roth IRA and the 401k. I, I, God, forgive me for having other gods before you. And God, I'm sorry because, because everything that I do is a testament that I don't love you. My whole schedule preaches, I don't care about you, God. God, today I'm sorry. Jesus, thank you for making that way of salvation. That I might know you. That you, by your power and for your purposes, would... And by your own sacrifice, you'd make this place for me to sit, that you would prepare this gospel way that I might know you and be reconciled and be safe eternally, forever with you. God, thank you. Dear friend, if that is the cry of your heart today, the absolute promise of God's word is that he has forgiven you and that he has freely pardoned you. 
If you're thankful for it, say amen. We're going to go into a time simply of reflection at this time. We're going to do something a little bit different. You can keep your eyes closed and heads bowed if you'd like or even not, but this is a time for us to pray. This is time for us to be thankful before the Lord. I've asked Amy just to take just a couple minutes and let's be still and just know that he's God. And after just a couple minutes, they'll have us all stand to finish with the hymn together, but but it's enough for us just to be still and know that he's God. It is absolutely enough for us to sit here and, and repent where it is due. It's enough for us to express thanksgiving to Almighty God because of the great love that he has expressed for us on Calvary. It's enough for us, for you and me, believer, to know that his grace is sufficient. That even when we're tempted and even when we stray, that he's gracious and kind, not at all making a warrant for sin, but but to know that he is patient and long-suffering and kind. That's who we're dealing with, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's take some moments together.